all people have that fear um, of failure. And honestly, failure ends up being, I, I would say even during this process, at times I've failed. Um, but failure ends up pointing you in the right direction. So like it, it, it teaches you lessons along the way. That was from my conversation exploring the walk of life with active member of the Air Force National Guard, a law enforcement officer, aspiring life coach, and founder of Wingman, Jason Williams. Wingman is an app that allows you to request a driver to drive you and your car from point A to B. It's that simple. Primarily focused on eliminating DUI situations, the service has a range of other use cases that not only make the community safer, but also offer great convenience. Jason talks about how his experience in law enforcement led him to this journey and also talks about the various challenges and successes he has encountered while building and launching Wingman. Jason is a very humble, generous, and thoughtful person, and the mission of Wingman is awesome. I loved our conversation, and I'm really excited to share Jason's story. Thank you to Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Jason Williams, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, Walker. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So, Jason, you uh, are the founder of a company called Wingman, and I'm not even going to try and describe it, not that it's overly complicated or something, but I just want to hear, I just want to have you tell us uh, what is Wingman. Yeah, so Wingman is an on-demand designated driver service. And what that means is I like to tell people, we're like the Uber for you and your car. Mm. So what we do is, let's say that the example I like to use, let's say you're out uh, for a happy hour. You've had a few too many drinks and you're there with your car. So now in today's world, you don't have too many options. Like you're either going to leave your car behind um, and have to come get it the next morning or you're going to have to um, or you can leave it there to get towed or to right. get or whatever the case may be. And I've been a victim of that um, as well in the past. Um, or you got to get in your car and you're going to drive and potentially kill yourself, um, someone else, or, you know, seriously hurt somebody by, because you're driving drunk. So the idea behind Wingman is we're taking away that last excuse that people have to get behind the wheel and drive, um, which is usually it boils down to they didn't want to leave their car behind. Right. So that's, that's generally what, what we do. We, we provide um, drivers who we call wingmen to drive people in their own car. <laughs> this is a silly question, but do they help? Do they offer wingman services like at the bar? Like if you needed help? To, <laughs> uh, <try> to... <laughs> that's a, that is a, that's a phenomenal question. And, and I'm sure some of our wingmen can actually be a little help, you know, in that okay. area. <laughs> nice. Happy to help. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, well, so I'm curious because so I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I live in a a smaller town, um, but there's so there's no public transportation or anything like that here, right? And Uber even didn't show up for longer than it was in, in the bigger cities. And so when I, I I'm luckily have aged out of going to the bar frequently, luckily, but I when I used to go all the time, I had the exact conundrum that you're talking about where. We would drive, and now luckily my friends and I were always really diligent about getting a cab, 
but then it just creates this pain because now the car is somewhere else. And like you said, it could have got hit. It could get towed, broken right. into whatever. And even if it doesn't, you still have to make the arrangements the next day to go back and get it, which is never convenient. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a pain. It's a pain. And I, and I've been there myself. Like if you have to go to work the next day and you have to get up even earlier and possibly on a hangover, <laughs> you know, to go and get your car is it's a, it's a big pain. Right. Um, so yeah, so we're trying to make that a, a thing of of the past, you know. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I, I want to obviously I want to talk more about Wingman, but I also want to just understand um, who you are a bit more. So where where are you located currently? Where's Wingman available? I guess is maybe the question. Yeah. So currently we're um, we're live on Long Island. Uh, this is our testing ground. This is where we're you know working out the kinks and getting the technology right. Um, and, you know, getting the word out that we exist and that, that we're an option for people. So that's where we're at right now, where we're available at right now. And of course, the, the, the plan is to take this national to every, you know, yeah. city town across America. Um, yeah, because it, we see that it's a, it's an issue, not, not only here, obviously, but, but everywhere. Yeah. Well, and again, I think honestly, in places where, you know, like I live in the in the Midwest, where you have cities that don't have public good public transportation, and certainly not at that time of night, right. um, where almost every, and, and beyond public transportation, it's also, it's this sprawling city, right, where you can't really walk, like there's not a bar within walking distance of me, right? So right. everyone relies on cars. So there's probably, I mean, I don't want to say more demand, but I mean, it would certainly be useful in those kinds of communities as well, where there's not really another option, but to drive. 100%. And that's kind of um, similar to Long Island, like the public transportation, we have public transportation, but it sucks. No one uses it. Um, And there's communities. I I just came back from, from Dallas and uh, I noticed that that's the, the culture there as well. It's like, everybody comes into Dallas proper to hang out, to drink, to eat and things like that. But they live in the suburbs and the public transportation does not go out there. So everybody's stuck parking um, or driving and then having to to park and ultimately drive at the end of the night. So we're kind of inviting people to drink and drive (laughs) really, you know, with that, with that kind of setup. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, yeah, exactly. And, and honestly with this service though, it alleviates that that burden so then people can just go out and have a good time and not have to worry about you know potentially injuring themselves or someone else or even if it's not that worst case scenario getting a dui which i've fortunately never had that myself but i've had friends who do and it's no joke like it's right. it's not just like a, a fee or something it's a whole thing <laughs> yeah yeah and that's that's another big pain point um because a lot of people do get duis the, the statistics say over a million people every year get arrested for DUI throughout America. And um, and really, that's just a fraction of the people who actually are out there driving drunk. The rest of the people, um, you know, are, are just getting lucky. There's not enough cops out there to uh, to to address it. Um, yeah. But then we have the the obviously the accidents on the street or the crashes rather on the on our highways and stuff like that. I know here in Long Island. We see, I see it all the time on the interstate and on the parkways, the crosses out there, you know, yep. um, marking the spot where, where people have lost their lives. And more often than not, um, it, it's involving alcohol or even now more so drugs as well. 
um, that people, they shouldn't be behind the wheel after obviously consuming those things. Yeah. So I'm curious, are so are you originally from the Long Island area? Is that where you grew up at? Yeah. So I'm born and raised on Long Island, on the South Shore of Long Island. Um, I moved to Atlanta for a few years. I lived in Atlanta for almost seven years. Oh, okay. And, um, and then I came back to New York in 2015, and I've been back in New York on Long Island um, since then. Okay. And so I'm curious, I mean, did you... Like I have a friend that's an entrepreneur and he kind of knew he was going to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I've known him since we were kids the whole time. He he had that in his head. He didn't know what the business would be, but right. he knew that was the direction he was going to go. Is that your story as well? Is this always something you knew was coming or did it, did it develop later? Great question. So um, I, I believe I know that I always had the entrepreneur spirit. Like I always, it was always ingrained in me. I was the the kid who I sold candy out of my backpack in school. Nice. And after school, I set up a little store on, my, on our front porch, you know, to sell the kids in the neighborhood and stuff like that. Um, so I, I always had the entrepreneur spirit. But my passion and my love, honestly, was in law enforcement. And that's the career that I um, that I pursued. And um, not until a few years ago did I actually start to venture into the entrepreneurship, um, mainly because I was having a lot of fun, you know, doing my, my nine to five job, but also like fear, obviously, like, uh, I guess a lot of people deal with that. Just the fear of failure and the fear of like, okay, well, you know, I know I did this as a kid, but how does this translate into me being an adult? And, you know, there's real consequences behind, wasting money and wasting time and looking stupid, <laughs> you know, if it, if it fails and stuff like that. Right. So I, I kept myself for, for years, um, kind of stuck, uh, because of the fear and, and just not believing that I could, I could do it. So, but finally, uh, it, it just as far as wingman is concerned, I, I decided to take that leap that was in late 2019 that I was like, you know, what the hell? Let me give it a try, <laughs> you know? Um, and then, of course, the pandemic. So I like it was like baptism by fire, as they as they say, um, you know, trying to build this thing uh, during the pandemic, which I did not expect. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so but but I learned a lot. You know, I had to learn a lot. We pivoted a lot, to, you know um, trying to, to bring this thing into, into reality. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I knew you had launched in March of 2020 and that was something I wanted to ask you is, I mean, I, obviously you weren't anticipating like, you know, when a great time would, to launch would be is when the global pandemic starts. Right. Um, so of course it's unexpected, but, but I mean, especially in, in that part of the country, I mean, that's kind of where COVID hit first, right. Yep. It was in the Northeastern area there. So, I mean, what was that like literally there at the beginning? I mean, was there any, was there any business for you or, because it seemed like everything was locked down very strictly at first and that kind of loosened over time, but. Right. So for us, like in early uh, 2020, we were still developing the the technology. Okay. We're still um, getting the, the apps ready and the website up and stuff like that. Um, but the pandemic caused significant delays in that um, because our developers also did not prepare for global pandemic. (laughs) 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 So they had to try to to pivot to 
working um, from home and, and not in the office and dealing with lockdowns and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we were delayed several months, you know, throughout 20, uh, 2020 because of uh, the, the pandemic. So as far as customers were concerned, we weren't ready to take customers. That, gotcha. That, that, yeah. At least for those first several months while we were still building the, the technology. Um, but one good thing, uh, I don't want to say a good thing that comes out of pandemic, but, I get you. <laughs> but, but a lot more people, um, who didn't own cars, like bought cars during the pandemic, like they used vehicles as like their own way of, of isolating and, and staying apart from people and things like that. So, and then we had a lot of people move from New York city to long Island as well. Mm. So and they brought cars. So because our business model rely is dependent on people who own vehicles. Um, we saw that like we have an increase of a pool of, of people who are our potential customers because of the pandemic. Right. So, um, so that was a, that was a by byproduct of it. Um, so, but, but yeah, I, I think, uh, overall building during the pandemic was a, um, Basically, if we can make it through that, we can make it through anything. That's, what I, was, that's what I was just thinking. It's like, I mean, talk about yeah. trial by fire. Um, well, so I'm curious. I mean, how long would you say it took from inception, you know, when you very first have that that idea, that spark? And I know you said, you know, it took a while to kind of, to kind of get yourself into a place where you were ready to really go for it. But how long between inception and when? you've got your first wingman driving someone's car to, to, you know, to drive them home. So, well, it depends on when you say inception, because the idea for wingman came to me, I would say six or seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, and just from my experiences being in law enforcement and seeing the, the, the results um, of people who did drive drunk or, or, you know, impaired or high or whatever, and then also just seeing it in my own personal experience of like, I would be the, the customer of this company. Like, why doesn't this exist? Right. <laughs> I was hoping that someone would, <laughs> would create it, you know, because I would be a customer. I'm like, this would be awesome. So for six or seven years, it popped in and out of my head. Like, you know, somebody needs to do this. Right. Never thinking that I would be the person to, to do it ultimately. Um, but in late 2019, uh, is when I actually started writing down um, and, and planning how this would work out, uh, like how I wanted it to, to flow and, and things like that. And um, basically just started to initiate the, the entire project that is Wingman. That was in late 2019. So I would say it took a year, probably so about a year and in, in some change, a year and a couple of months to be honest, um, because of the delays due to COVID. Um, and then ultimately we had to pivot from the developers that we had uh, to a new set of developers who could manage, um, you know, uh, the world and the pandemic and be able to still work. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and then getting them spun up and, and up to speed on, on what where we were and transferring the code over. Like there's a bunch of stuff that <laughs> I had zero knowledge of before this. I was completely you know learning on on um you know as we were going through it uh so but now i know <laughs> yeah well, no, and I, I appreciate both those answers that uh, the reason i wanted to know from inception which you said you know six seven years 
the reason I, I, I ask that is because I, I like to emphasize um, for folks that you don't you don't have to have an idea today and act on it today and, and otherwise it's gone, right? Like right. things can take time, things can, can simmer for a while, things can develop. And then even when you get started, it, it's not an immediate result. I mean, it's over a year and all these unexpected challenges you're encountering. Um, but I, th I just, I, I like to emphasize that because I think it's easy sometimes for, for folks to fall into a trap of of expecting more immediate results, right? Or expecting, and not even expecting like it's not fair, but maybe even feeling like, oh, maybe I'm not cut out for this, right? Or maybe I'm not the one because I, this isn't coming out as fast as I thought it would. And uh, and yeah, I just like to highlight with successful people that it's it's not a, a 30 day process for something, you know, it, it's longer right. than that. No, Walker, I'm glad you I'm glad you pointed that out because that's absolutely absolutely right. Um, it takes time, and I was one of these people who who thought like that it was going to be quick, it was going to be <laughs> easy, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> easy peasy, like it, it. But none of none of that happened. It was it was challenge after challenge. Um, but, but what I think helped me to keep going was for one identifying my why like why was i why mm. was i building this business um you know what did it mean that once we got this out there to the public like what kind of impact could we have um and having to to continue to refer back to back to that and that that kind of kept me motivated to keep going because it was very like uh is this worth it <laughs> is right this worth all the all the trouble all the money is this worth you know uh, you know, the the super late late nights and right. um, you know, and it, this being for the most part all you're thinking about, <laughs> right? You know? And I was doing this, and 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 our team, we were doing this while, because still having regular full time jobs and building this became uh, a full time job in and of itself as well. So, uh, yeah, the results are definitely definitely not overnight. Um, it, it takes time. It takes persistence. Um, and, and I think it does help to, before you get started to, to really identify why you're doing it, um, maybe even who you're doing it for and keep those people and, and those reasons in the back of your mind, because you're going to need it because <laughs> yeah. times aren't going to get tough. Um, and, and you're gonna, you're going to want to quit. So, you know, at points, um, but really, I think the real the real secret to to success, more often than not, is just being persistent, um, and, and just keeping at it, and and it also being flexible, mm. because you kind of the vision that I had in late 2019 when I started to write out, you know, the the business plan, and it, it's not what it is today, right? Um, and initially, I was very rigid in my thinking i come from a law enforcement background i come from a military background right <laughs> and i was like and i learned probably in the first couple of weeks like oh my god okay this does not work for this <laughs> for this kind of environment but right. i was literally driving myself crazy you know speaking with the developers and, and stuff like that and the, and the engineers and why can't you make it do this just make it do that you know and not also not fully understanding how app development and stuff like that works um, but being flexible and, and not being afraid to, to make the changes when it's, when it's necessary, you know, as, as well. So yeah. because it will change, the plan will change. That's the 
certain thing. <laughs> mentioned the fear uh, that, that you kind of overcame in order to, to launch the business, right? There's kind of this mm-hmm. space where you're not sure if you should launch it or not. And, and fear is something that I've talked to a lot of different guests about. And I'm interested, I mean, you're, as you said, like you're a law enforcement officer and you're in the military, like, like fear is not your obstacle. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, uh, so I'm curious, how do you, how do you think about fear? And, and I, 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 I love, I mean, I don't love that you had fear or something, but I just, I think it's so human to yep. hear to hear someone who has your profession and your background and yet you still have fears about launching a business just like anyone else that maybe isn't otherwise saving lives and in putting themselves in dangerous situations right right so the the fear that you have to overcome when in being in the military or in law enforcement um it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but when you're, but when you're in the moment, like you rise to the occasion, you know, you, you realize there's people counting on you. Right. You know, I can think back to some of my, like one of my first calls as a police officer and things were going, you know, crazy. People are yelling, you know, they're trying to fight each other. And I'm realizing, I'm like, oh my God, somebody should do something about this. <laughs> and then it clicked. It's like, wow, you're the police. Like, <laughs> like they, they called you here to fix this. <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, okay, you rise to the occasion. I was 21 years old when I became a police officer. I had like zero, little uh, actual life experience. Right. But people call you and you have to rise to the occasion. And often you do. You rely, you fall back on your, on your training. Um, and then over time, obviously you just hone your skills and you get better and better at it. Uh, but, but when you're, when people, when you know that people are counting on you, uh, like almost as their last resort, that like you, you build up the courage to push past that fear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you also have that training to fall back on and you're like, all right, you know, I, I can do this. Uh, I have to do this because if I don't, then who will. Right. And, and I think even even when thinking about wingmen, as far as overcoming the fear, like it was, it was this feeling of, um, you know, starting a technology company. I'm not a, I'm not a technical person. You know, I had this feeling of, you know, being an imposter. Uh, but then I started to read more. I started to listen to podcasts and I, I, I remember I was reading, I can't remember what it, what it was, but they were talking about how, Steve Jobs doesn't physically make Apple products. Right. <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't sit down. He's not twink, uh, like, you know, in the lab making the iPhone. Right. You know? Or Henry Ford wasn't like not in the factory 
you know, building the model T. Right. So he has people to support him. Like he has the vision and like he has people, he brings in those experts who can actually bring that vision into, uh, into reality. So going through those mental gymnastics and realizing like, okay, well, you don't have to be the subject matter expert on every single piece. Um, you know, you have the vision, you can get those people to support you and to bring your vision into, into reality. Um, but also just like my, I don't come from a a background where people are entrepreneurs. So I didn't really have too many, um, examples around me Mm. of like, okay, well this person did it. So, you know, that I, I could probably do it as well. Um, and, but a, a lot of it was, was, was just fear of rejection, fear of, you know, what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't succeed? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what will people say? What will people think? And then just over time, honestly, and, and reading and podcasts and, and talking to people who have built businesses and stuff like that, you realize kind of similar to what you said, they've gone through the same things. Yeah. Like uh, most people, most people, that's not what they advertise, unfortunately, with social media and stuff like that. But all people have that fear um, of failure. And honestly, failure ends up being, I I would say, even during this process, at times I've failed. Yeah. Um, But failure ends up pointing you in the right direction. So, like, it, it, it teaches you lessons along the way. So, basically, just changing my way of, my way of thinking about what we, what we were doing, what we were building. Um, and just thinking like, okay, well, why not me? <laughs> right. right. Why, why, why can't I, can I do this? Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, it's fear is certainly a very interesting thing and, and failure is an interesting thing too. And I think, I mean, it, obviously, you know, semantics and you can get into splitting hairs to some extent, but I think there's a difference between failure and quitting. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think people think that those two things are the same sometimes. And it's like, but not really, because if you fail, but you don't quit, then the failure just teaches you something because right. you're still going. But if you quit, then the failure is very devastating because <laughs> you're not proceeding anymore. Um, right. But I think people, uh, you know, whatever, sometimes can can mis- misalign those those ideas. Um you know, so you talked about the technology, and that's something that I was thinking of when I was when I was reading about wingmen and, and, and kind of preparing for our, our conversation here. I was thinking, like, well, what would it be like if I tried to launch uh, an app, right? And I work, my day job is I'm a project manager at a software company, but I'm also not the guy on the keyboard, right? I'm, I'm the guy that sends emails that everyone hates. Um, <laughs> so even with my, you know, whatever, somewhat familiarity with technology, I would have no idea where to start. So you've mentioned, you know, you worked with a couple different sets of developers and I'm not trying to ask you like, you know, all of the specifics, but, but to some extent, how do you even approach that? Like, how did you find those developers? What was that process like? Yeah. So, um, and this is kind of, I'm glad you asked these questions because I do want to lift the veil on this. Oh, cool. I, I want people to know, like, you don't have to be a coder. Yes. You know, to found found a technology company or to build an app or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So um, initially, I started out just go online looking for developers, like reading articles about how other people have done it in the past. 
Um, there's websites out there like where there's freelancers, which that's what I would recommend. Um, like because some of these freelancer websites, they vet the people on there to a certain extent because oftentimes you'll save money doing it offshore for one. Mm. <laughs> oh, so, um, so yeah. So if you use one of these freelance websites that vet their, their people, uh, it's a bit safer. And then the transactions are typically handled through the, the platform as well. So you're, you're protected as far as that's concerned. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's Fiverr, there's uh, Upwork. Those are two big ones mm. uh, where you just go in there, you say what, like what it is that you're trying to do and people will either respond, you know, to that, uh, to that request, or you can just go seeking people that, that are already on there and look at their portfolio. Mm. And like, okay, well, have they built something similar to what, what I have? So um, I started looking at um like they had developers who were doing uber and lyft clones oh, okay. and you know and, and and other rideshare type apps that were like in other countries and even somebody here in the united states and i'm like okay well yeah that's kind of what the foundation of ours would need to be mm-hmm. so somebody who's built something like that could probably build you know what we're looking for and honestly just having that conversation so you, you end up, you spark a conversation with somebody who looks like they could probably do the work that you want to do. Um, and then you start telling them generally what you're looking for. Um, but before, before you get into the specifics, if you have a non-disclosure agreement, you can get it, you know, you can get a non-disclosure agreement signed or whatever, mm-hmm. if you're might steal your idea, uh, which is what, what we did initially with our uh, developers. Um, but, they'll tell you, okay, well, yes, we can, we can build that. This is how long it will take. Um, this is how much it would, it would cost. Uh, they'll come up with a, your project manager. So they'll, they'll, I'm, I'm sure you've seen like the, what like a project plan or whatever the case right. may be. They'll come up with something like that, you know, telling you the milestones and you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yep. So, um, that's kind of how the process works and it's your responsibility to, like if you don't have a project manager, like if you're the founder, if you're the owner of the business, it's your responsibility to keep track of that kind of stuff to make sure that they're keeping up with the milestones. And typically, and this is something that I've learned just through experience as well. I the first development um, company that we use, they change project managers on their end multiple times, okay. which I did not like at all because. Um, it was like just starting anew and you had to spin them up. And it's like, really, you should know this. Did you not read any notes or something like that? <laughs> like, how am I going to back you up on three months of, of right. stuff? Right. Um, so those are now doing it another time. I would definitely ask like, okay, well, do the people who work for you, are they contractors? Are they, you know, do they actually work for your, for your company? Are they full-time employees? Like how often, um, how often are the project managers changing and things like that? Because I think the consistency is important mm. um, because you, it's like you're building on this thing. So and if you have to start in the beginning, as far as explaining this to somebody, it's just, it's frustrating for one, but also you might miss something. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah um, well, there's, there's an element of the human relationship too. Just like you get yeah. used to working with people and you understand their flows and when they're available and when they're not and how they think to some extent. And yeah, you just right. lose all of that every time you got to start over, which is, yeah, I'm sure very challenging. 
Right. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Um, and then it's also important uh, to me um, that they, the developers also believe in what you're doing to a certain extent. Like you said, is I guess that's not 100% necessary if they can do the work. But we got fortunate, the new developers that we had, like they really uh, embraced the project. That's awesome. And, yeah. And like really took it on as, as their own. So that brings another level of uh, commitment and connection, you know, when they also uh, believe in, in what you're what you're building with them. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, but that's pretty much where you start. Like you, I, I would recommend the, the freelancer websites that are out there. You start there, look for developers who have shown that they can build what you're looking for. They should have portfolios available. Um, look at the things that they've actually built. If they're in the app stores and stuff like that, download and play around with them. See if you like their, their kind of work. Um, and then just kind of build off of it from, from there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So, and again, not trying to like get into your, (laughs) into your pockets with this question in any capacity, but did you have to like secure funding from investors or was that like, was that a whole part of this or, or did that not play a factor? Yeah. So that could be a, a part of it <laughs> for, for me, I bootstrapped it. Okay. Uh, I saved, um, in order to be able to, to, uh, uh, to bankroll it, you know, from the beginning or, or what have you. Um, but like you could, you could go out and, and try to get investment money, um, from the, from the start, like you can get, mock-ups of what the app will will be and things like that and you can especially with the crowdsourcing um platforms that are out there so if you have a compelling enough idea there are people who will will invest in you um in order to build the um the mvp or the um what is it minimum valuable product right Uh, yeah so there are people who will invest invest in you if the idea is compelling enough um to do that so for me, I, I saved to, to be able to, to do it, um, and and that's how we initially, you know, got it got it started. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I appreciate you you explaining that, and, and the reason I wanted to ask is because you know, similar to the technology and how that could seem like a barrier, I think that I mean, obviously, if someone is maybe younger and hasn't had time to save or, or whatever their life circumstance may be, then maybe trying to find crowdsourcing or something would be the best avenue. But I think for a lot of folks, trying to think, thinking about trying to talk to an investor or something could feel like another barrier, right? And so you don't, right. you also don't have to, you don't have to be on the Silicon Valley show from HBO to make an app, I guess is my point. <laughs> right, right. No, and another way of going about it is um, join groups, Facebook groups with for, of entrepreneurs, of um, tech people, of developers. Mm. Um, get on Reddit and things like that. Cause you can also find people who will be willing to volunteer their time. Um, not necessarily volunteer, but to take a chance on you sure. to help to, to build this. If they have the technical skills, you have the vision, you guys can join forces. They can be somewhat of a co-founder or what have you on, on the project. Um, with the, basically it, in the exchange would be either, they get a role in the company when it actually, you know, gets up and up and running or they get a stake in the company or whatever the case may be when, you know, when, when things kick off, uh, you guys can work that out. But there are people out there 
who are willing to just who want to be part of, be a part of something that's that's special, a startup or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So um, you could also just just find people either online or in your extended network or your close network who do have that expertise, um, you know, so you don't have to necessarily spend money out of your pocket, but you kind of, you know, you make a trade off in, in other ways. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's awesome. I personally hadn't even considered that as an avenue. And I, I think, I think sometimes I fall into the trap of not thinking of social media as a place where positive outcomes happen. Yeah. <laughs> so you're absolutely right <laughs> that, that that exists out there. Um, so, I mean, you've talked some of you've talked about some of the challenges that you faced and, you know, some of them unexpected. Obviously, the pandemic, probably the biggest one. And then some of the fallout that, that came from that. What's been the most rewarding part of, of your journey so far? Mm, great question. So. I would say one of our um, first supporters uh, was mad mothers against drunk driving. So right out the gate. Um, they were like, wow, like, this is amazing. Um, you know, they partner with other companies that like the Ubers, the Lyfts and stuff like that. Um, but they, they really like that where we're addressing the, the, the main culprit, so to speak, um, a scenario. And, and that's the person getting behind the wheel of the car. So like now we're providing an option for them to not feel like they have to get behind the wheel of the car and, and drive. So, um, one of the first events that we went to was a mad event. They, the name of the event was, uh, walk like mad long Island. And it's, um, it's attended by a bunch of different companies that support their mads mission, um, law enforcement agencies and things like that. But, um, uh, most importantly, the, the families of mm. the victims. So I had the opportunity to speak to um, to several of the, of the the families that were affected by you know drunk or, or drug driving, um, who have lost lost loved ones, you know parents and children and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, and hearing their stories and, and them sharing with me that had wingmen existed then potentially their loved ones could have still been alive. Yeah. And that was, that was really, really impactful. And it also is like my, in my law enforcement career, I show up on a scene, you know, and I'm, I'm working. Like I, sometimes there, there might be a family there, whatever it keeps me be, but, but for the most part, like my interactions are limited, you know, and it's especially beyond the accident like or beyond the, the crash um mad actually <laughs> the people at mad actually corrected me i was like oh they got into a car accident i was like no it's not an accident it's a crash mm. uh so that's why I, if you've heard me correct if i said accident <laughs> um, <laughs> it's I'm, that's always playing over in my in my yeah. head so but um so in my my professional capacity I, i'm at these scenes i see the death i see the carnage i see I have to make the notifications um, every once in a while and things like that. And I, and I see that that um, just the, the tragedy that, that, that this family is experiencing. But to see some of these people years later in, in some instances, um, 
it was it was different. It was a different perspective than I I, I had gotten, you know, from being a, a, a police officer and seeing their their resilience, their commitment to making the world a better place. You know, to really making sure. A, a mad slogan is uh, no more victims. So, and these families are, are truly committed to to ensuring that there's no more victims. And you know, Matt has has uh, has made a lot of strides over the years since their inception, um, you know, to change legislation and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're steadily, you know, uh, chipping away at it, but still a lot, a lot more work to do. But to get back to your question, that was definitely since building this, the most um, impactful experience was connected with the families, um, you know, who were affected by uh, drunken and, and drug driving. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense, you know, especially as a police officer, obviously you're doing everything you can to help, but largely you're called to respond to something that's already happened, right? You're not, you're not driving around just preventing things that haven't occurred yet because that doesn't <laughs> make sense. Yeah. Um, but in this case with Wingman, you really are able to be on the other side of that where maybe you can just prevent anyone from ever needing to call the police for a situation. 100% correct. Yeah. And- and that was also behind the reason why I, I, I wanted to found Wingman um, was because often I'm too late <laughs> when I show yeah. up to a to a car to a car uh, crash. Um, you know, we're we're cleaning up. You know what what has already already happened. So like you like you said, this is an opportunity to get ahead of it. You know, to keep to keep people from getting killed and injured and even just arrested. Right. Like you, earlier you know a dui is not is not cheap it costs you thousands and thousands of dollars and you know can affect your employment opportunities down the road like a lot a lot of different things so um so yeah so that that's what we're trying to trying to to change yeah like, uh, create a new future no i think that's awesome Are the the are the people who who are the the wingmen in your company? Are is it similar to to like an Uber setup where they're I guess gig workers? I think is the term. Right. Yep. So they're gig workers. Um, they can sign on and off like when they when they want. Um, but the biggest difference is we we vet our our drivers more extensively. Right. Um, because of the the nature that we're driving somebody else's car for one, but also that some of our customers may be intoxicated or whatever the case may be. We want to make sure that, um, that the people who are driving them are, are responsible. So, um, 
you know, our our criteria is a, is a lot stricter as far as like their criminal history and, and their driving history and, and, and such. Um, and then we also do a, uh, a phone interview. Mm. So just sign up and, you know, and that's it. So in, in addition to the, the stringent background check, we also speak to some people over the phone um, just to just to kind of as a last check to make sure they're they're a good fit for what we're what we're doing here. Yeah, well, I mean, like you just said, I mean, there's definitely an additional layer of liability with driving someone else's car. Um, so right. that's that's really good that you have that to, to so that way customers can trust that whoever's driving this has been vetted a lot more rigorously than they would be in maybe an Uber or a Lyft or, or some other comparable situation. Absolutely, yeah. And then of, of recent, like the the Ubers and the Lyfts have been in the news with the assaults happening in their cars and right. stuff like that. So um, that was on the forefront of my mind when I was doing the the market research, um, you know, before really starting to build this is like, well, how can we make this a safer and more comfortable experience uh, for our customers so that, um, you know, basically we can make them feel more comfortable than they, they would in a Uber or a Lyft or, or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking to some extent it's it's like a kind of a double-edged sword where like on the one hand because of your experience in law enforcement you probably have far more insight than anyone else would into like what kinds of things could go wrong and so it's like on the one hand you can prepare to mitigate those things right then on the other hand it also could it's it's like maybe you could be overwhelmed because you've seen so much and it's like, Oh, well this could go wrong or that could go wrong. Where someone like me wouldn't even have, have thought of it. Cause I haven't seen it, you know? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> really funny that you say that. Because <laughs> it's like the things that I'm able to spot, you know, just walking around and being out <laughs> in the world. I'm just like, Oh my God, I can't turn this off. Right. So, yeah, Definitely. I tried to, and that was one of those things that I had to pivot. Um, <laughs> when building Wingman, because I wanted to build in all these safety features, and, you know, and right. like, you know, record everything, right. and all that kind of stuff. And the developers are like, "Well, for one, that's not possible yet." <laughs> you know, certain things they were just like, "No," and then it was going to cost too much money or whatever case may be. Right. But um, yeah, there was a lot of things based on my experience as a police officer, um, where I was like, "Oh my god, well this could happen, and what if this happens, and what if that happens." So, but we do, we did try to take, uh, as much care and, and caution, you know, to make sure that, um, that people will be safe when they're, when they're riding. Yeah. So one, one thing that I do want to add, so our main mission is to end, um, drunk drug and impaired driving to give people more freedom. That's like our, our mission, mission statement. Um, but so I, and we focus on the drunk driving piece. But there's also an element of the service where you can use it during the daytime right. and um, like really anything that you would need somebody to drive your car for. So one of our, our service that we offer is uh, car care. So if you were stuck at work, you know, for example, doing your project management gig and they, you know, they had you busy all day. Your car needs an oil change, for example. Yep. You can have a wingman come take your car to get an oil change and then, you know, bring it back to you where, wherever you're at. Or um, another example is if you had to get a root canal and, you know, and the dentist says you shouldn't drive because you've been under anesthesia, whatever the case yeah. may be. Now you can get a wingman, you know, to come and drive you home 
in your own car after some kind of outpatient surgery or something along those lines. Yeah, I think that's so I think that is so valuable. I mean, obviously, like you said, the, the drunk driving is is the the, the, the impetus. But um, the, those convenience features, and I noticed that on your website that you you, you there's a, a mention of those kinds of uses for it as well. And I thought that was so brilliant because, yeah, I mean, most folks who work at a job, you, you can't just leave in the middle of the day and be gone for an hour and a half to go to the the oil change place or whatever. Right. Um, so there's a lot of convenience in that. And then honestly, what you just said about the, you know, a root canal or something. So I have, you know, my mom is, is, you know, getting up there in, in age a bit. I won't, I won't say a number in case she's listening, yeah. um, but <laughs> um, she doesn't look her age at all though. Um, but anyway, she, she had to have a, a medical procedure somewhat recently and it was exactly what you just said. I mean, the, the, the doctor was like, you have to have a driver. Right. And I, they, they wanted me to stay at the facility and it wasn't like a major operation or anything. So there wasn't really a, a ton of risk or anything like that, that I would need to be there for. But, but they wanted me to just be at the building. And I was like, I, I can't, like, I have to go. I mean, I can, I can get off work to take her there and I can come pick her back up, but I can't just be here for, you know, two hours or whatever the time frame is. Right. And they eventually relented and let us proceed with that. But I was I was talking to my mom about it and I was like, what if I worked a job where I didn't have this level of flexibility or what if I lived in a different state or, you know what I mean? Yep. And I don't have a sibling that she could call that could fill those shoes or something. Right. So uh, there are probably a lot of people in situations like that that don't have someone that can just easily give them the ride in the, in the middle of the day on a weekday. Um, right. So I think there's a tremendous value that that could be there for that no and i'm um, thank you for sharing that um and yeah I, I found myself in a similar situation a couple of weeks ago well i guess it's longer than that now but where my uncle same thing outpacing surgery yep. um, i had to go i went in late into work um and i'm like i should have just got him a wingman <laughs> you know, after i was like <laughs> i was like hey, <laughs> so, but anyway, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but I did that and now I'm like, yeah, we will, yeah, you can do that next time. Right. Um, so, but so many people are in that situation and, and it's interesting. You, you mentioned like the aging population, the aging population. So I know I've had a bunch of conversations with elderly people and, and I had one not too long ago, I went to a rotary club meeting and um elderly gentleman comes up to me after I, I told him about wingman he was like this is a phenomenal service and he was like this is great he's like i would have certainly used it he's like I, he had to give up his car he was like i could i had to give up my car because i couldn't drive it anymore um and then now he had to get dropped off at the rotary club meeting he had to get picked up from the rotary club meeting and it, it takes away their level of independence yep um, so now like with wingmen, they can retain some level of, of independence. They can keep their car a little bit longer. And if they need to go to the grocery store, if they need to go to, you know, the doctor's appointment, they want to go see the grandkids, whatever the case may be, they can have a wingman come drive them in their own car, you know, to take care of their errands and they don't have to worry about grabbing their kids from, from work you know, or, or whatever they might be doing in order to do that. So that's definitely another, another population that we want to uh, try to have a significant impact in. Yeah. 
So I should have asked you this question at the beginning. It doesn't really fit here as, as well, but I, I'm I, I'm curious this whole time. How do the wingmen get to the car? Right, like, right. Is there, yeah. is there two of them? Like, <laughs> yeah. no, that, that's funny. And it, when we were talking about like in that area earlier, I was like, oh, I need to plug this in. For some reason, I, I just went right over it. <laughs> so, um, so it, it can work where they show up as a as a team. So if you're only going one way, they're going to show up as a team. One's going to get out, drive you in your own car, and then the other one's going to follow to pick them up, you know, at the at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's a round trip, let's say you're that elderly person who just needs to go run your errands for the day, you'll get one driver to show up who drives you around, you know, wherever you need to be, takes you back, you know, to your house, and, you know, they go about their, about their day. Um so, but yeah, that's the, generally, if it's a one-way trip, you'll have two drivers show up. One will drive you in your own car and the other one will, will follow to, um, you know, pick them up at the end. And then we also want to, want to implement, um, in the future where I, I called it overflow passengers. So let's say you went out to the bar and you had, you have a car that sits five people and now you call the wingman. Somebody's not going to have a seat. Right. So now um, with overflow passenger, that extra passenger will be able to ride in the chase car, the car that's mm. following behind, um, you know, and be able to get dropped off at the end destination. Uh, you can also add stops in the app. So if you had to drop off, you know, all, all four people, whatever case may be on the way to the end destination, you know, you could do that as well, um, you know, through the app. Yeah, I love it. The wingmen have a wingman. So right, <laughs> it runs through the whole thing. I love it. Um, well, well, Jason, I, I've had an absolute pleasure talking about this with you th- this evening. Um, you know, something that we, we've touched on your law enforcement. I know we mentioned, you know, your, your military service a bit, but you are an active member of the Air Force National Guard. Um, and I just, you know, certainly want to thank you for your service in, in both of those arenas. And, and is there any is there anything else that we haven't touched on that, that you'd like to highlight this evening? Um, I think for the most part, uh, Walker, we, we touched on the, on the highlights. Um, my, my law enforcement, my military career, you know, it's kind of all, uh, in my mind, (laughs) there's elements of it that, that, that are encompassed in wingman in the, in the company that, that we're, that we're building. Um, it's kind of all led me to this, to this, to this point, so to speak. Um, I guess one thing in addition to wingman, I started uh, life coaching as like on the side. Awesome. And particularly, I, I, I'm focusing on um, entrepreneur, uh, yeah, entrepreneurs, uh, first responders, and veterans. And my, my main mission is to kind of get them over those mental hurdles that I had to overcome. Yeah. Like to start to start a business um, and other elements in, in life. Uh, as well, like just kind of getting your mind right to be able to go out there and actually live the life that that you want, and not just the life that you were assigned or or you think that you that you have to live based on society's expectations uh, that it puts on all of us. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's that's one thing that I'm that I'm doing uh, as as well as, as a as a passion project, and hopefully you know make a make a good good impact in those communities. Yeah, no, I think that's super awesome to hear. I mean, you know, like you talked about. You know, with yourself, you don't don't come from a, a, a family or a, a large community of entrepreneurs or something. So you're not sure how to navigate some of these things and kind of had to just learn on the fly. And so being able to, to transfer that experience that you had to someone else. And then also, I mean, kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, first responders and, and military folks that 
that might themselves think, why do I feel afraid of this? Like, I don't, I'm not afraid of stuff, but, but they are cause they're still humans and you have dealt with that, right? Like you've overcame that from that same perspective in a way that someone like myself um, just wouldn't understand. Right. And, and not as a disparage, a self-deprecating thing, but just, it's just not my light lived experience. Um, I think it's really awesome to hear that. And, you know, I've had a lot of different coaches on this show that I've interviewed and the thing that, you know, in some ways there are principles um, in life that I think are, are just kind of foundationally true, right? Like uh-huh. there's, there's pretty much always value in trying to stay in the moment, right? Not, not being caught up in the past, not being worried about trying to predict the future and then scared of what those outcomes are, but staying in the moment uh-huh. just as an example. But then there's lots of, of principles like that for, for lack of a better way to say it. But I think that there's so much value in individuals like yourself coming forward and putting your own perspective on those principles, because the, the language that you will use and the way that you will talk about it and the context that you'll frame it in is different than anyone else. And you'll reach a, an audience of people that the other messages, even if it's the same fundamental principles, don't resonate with because it's not their language, right? It's not the way that they see the world. So right. um, I think that's really powerful to hear that you've started that as well, man. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So, so Jason, you've got the website for wingman, uh, mywingman.com and, and that's spelled M Y W N G M N. And I'll have a link in the show notes so people can just cl- click directly on that. Is there anywhere else they should connect with you? Do you have a site or anything for your, your coaching services? Right. So, um, they can find me as far as the coaching business. Uh, I'm at coach J will on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then also just for, for wingman. So we're on Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah. Okay. At M Y W N G M N <laughs> my wingman without the valve. Cool. Well, I'll make so. sure and have links in the show notes for people to, to check that stuff out as, as well. Um, again, Jason really, really humbled to, to have the opportunity to speak with you this evening. Anything else you'd like to highlight? Um, no, that's it, Walker. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you as well. Um, certainly appreciate your, your, your kind words and yeah, hopefully this, uh, this conversation is valuable to some people out there. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, best of luck with, with wingman and, and with your coaching work. Um, I think it's, you know, you said that your, your military and your law enforcement careers in some ways have culminated in wingman or there's elements of it in wingman. And I would say that that's absolutely true because, you know, and not to disparage Uber or Lyft or, or these other services that are, are, are providing a service, but <laughs> here you are, of course, because of the rest of the way that you, your your life's work has gone. You find something that's a service, but then you also find a way to literally help protect and save lives through it as well. So um, I think it's, it's, it's truly remarkable. And yeah, wish you the best of luck in all of it, man. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Walker. Appreciate it. Signs dying in the grass 
mother's father's in lifelong prayer Become players of the mountains past Our castles came crashing down And stone by stone they fell to the ground Brick and mortar eaten by her Families fled to the open plains Hard and handsome dirt and stone Under the sun a turning gray A fire and I weaved in the bone Brick by brick they built their home On the hill where ruins lie Generations walked those halls Now the roof crumbles under the sky The staircase came crashing down Step by step they fell to the ground No way to reach the top floor again It's a paper ladder drifting into that's all for the show today. Thank you so much to Jason for sharing his walk of life. I also want to thank Misha Zarens for the music in today's show. And last but not least, thank you for listening. I also invite you to check out my other show, Pick Up Your Sticks, which is a video game podcast where we talk about why gaming matters. You can find that on any podcast app. Thanks again for the listen. Have a great week. Stay up.